sometimes you need to hit the pause button as a clinician um, and a researcher and say, hang on, this is what my underlying assumption is. We want to be evidence-based practitioners, but in fact, this is just how we should practice. Ethics is every part of every clinical decision that we make. And what it is that we do is we make lives better. Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Hello everyone, my name is Mary Woodward and I'm the Senior Advisor Justice and Mental Health for Speech Pathology Australia. And I'm Trish Johnson, I'm the Manager for Ethics and Professional Issues at Speech Pathology Australia. And hi everyone, I'm Mike, I'm a trainer with Lifeline. And before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we all live and work, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. So we're all here today to discuss a really exciting and in my opinion critically important collaboration between Speech Pathology Australia and Lifeline, which is the Accidental Counsellor Plus training, supporting others and ourselves. Now, some people may already be familiar with the um, the more normal accidental counsellor training from Lifeline. It's a very well-known, very well-respected training course. So before we get into um, discussing the additional things that we're adding in, Mike, I was wondering if you would mind um, giving us a bit of an overview of what people can expect from the accidental counsellor course. Yeah, so the accidental counsellor course is really designed to practice skills and look at the importance of being able to support someone who may be in distress or maybe in crisis or someone who you notice might be in need of some extra support right now. So we'll look at the, the three um, levels of the accidental counsellor course are the recognise, respond, refer. So the recognise, of course, is we're looking to look at what signs might indicate that someone might be in distress or in crisis. The recognition is to look at how we might respond to somebody. How do we initiate a conversation? How do we talk to a person who may be really struggling? How do we listen to understand their experience? And of course, refer is looking at the boundaries of your of your role in supporting that person and how you might refer them on to other more appropriate supports for ongoing help. So we're not expecting to people to to become counsellors as such. It's about knowing how to respond in the moment and then knowing where their role finishes and to, to refer someone on. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, and look, I think that's, a, that's accurate and it's a really important boundary to hold. You know, I think often, especially for people in the helping professions like the speech pathology, you know, you, you're already someone who's helping and supporting some other people on a daily basis. And what we're looking at here is looking at what go, might go beyond your role as a speech pathologist into um, someone who may be in a crisis, they may be having thoughts of suicide, they may be really struggling. And so you can listen to understand and really connect to them in their distress and really make a big difference to them in that contact. But the limit of the role is that it's not your responsibility to then guide them through that whole journey back to wellness. The, the, the responsibility then is looking at, well, what supports might they need now, given that we've identified that there may be a level of risk or that they may need further support, what are the appropriate supports who we can now engage them with to ensure that they are, um, they're getting the help that they need 
um, and also recognising that you're someone in a position who might be able to have the conversation and it may be outside of the work context as well with family or friends. Of course. Um, you're in a position where you're having this conversation um, but you're aware as well that you don't necessarily have the training to be a, a counsellor or a therapist for them but certainly through that conversation you can determine whether or not some further support might be really helpful. Mm. There are two points that you made there that I might just pick up on if that's okay. One of them is around... Um, recognizing that the person in distress could be in any one of num- a number of of roles and kind of relationships with us so i suppose it's it's important for us to think about someone may present in distress who is our client um and so we're wearing a professional hat at that point yeah so it could be our client or a client's family member or carer we know that that um that there can be a lot of challenges and a lot of stresses for for people in caring positions. Um, But I suppose equally, it could be our colleague um, or someone that we professionally supervise or in a a personal context, it could be a family member or a friend. Um, It could be any one of us because none of us are immune to to, um, experiencing stress and distress. the other point that I wanted to pick up on, and I thought Trish, you might, you might want to, to comment here, is around the, the boundaries of our role. Um, I'm sure that, that role boundaries is something that you and your position uh, discuss fairly frequently with, with members. Yes, thanks, Mary. Yes, I do. And uh, just as Mark was saying, it's really important for us to understand where the scope of our practice does lie and where our professional knowledge and expertise can be helpful to clients, but also their then where we need to actually acknowledge this is beyond what we can do as speech pathologists and refer on. And we do work with clients that um, are vulnerable due to the nature of their communication or swallowing difficulties. And so they and or their families may experience very difficult times um, and very challenging situations that can have an impact on that therapeutic relationship. So it's important to identify if there is an issue that is impacting on how well they're able to benefit from what we can provide and make sure that they can access services elsewhere that support them in that area as well. So, yes, it's really important for us to identify not only when the distress occurs, like Mike was saying, but also, well, when does it go beyond what we can provide as speech pathologists? Mm. Yeah. And I think I think it can be very challenging for, not just for speech pathologists, for anybody um, who who finds themselves interacting with someone who we believe is, is in distress in, in whatever degree to to know how to respond in that moment and then feel confident that you're referring or giving suggestions that are relevant appropriate suitable etc because um, it can be really stressful to be in the position of of receiving someone's distress as well and i think to to have that confidence which we're hoping people will develop through the training in in knowing who to refer to or where to refer to is is really important. I think I think you picked up on a really good point in that this this uh, program is not just about um, looking after others' emotional needs, but it's also looking after our own emotional needs and recognizing when we're finding something really challenging, um, and having some resources and strategies to actually manage that and identify 
when we might need a bit of help as well. Sorry, Mark, you're probably going to say the same thing. Yeah, look, that, that is so important, isn't it, that we're able to recognise how we might be impacted when we're supporting others. And inevitably, it's a difficult thing sitting with another human who's, who's in distress or crisis. You know, we know that our nervous systems get impacted by other humans' nervous systems. So if their nervous system is distressed, it will start to impact ours. You know, that's, that's how we tune into each other. But conversely, when we're calm and we're feeling like we're in a position where we can support someone else we'll be helping to calm and settle their nervous system but it's important to recognize that mutual effect and to be able to get the support that we need as well if we're supporting others i guess that brings us to um to where the course begins to differ from the 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 more traditional accidental counselor training um in that we've we're adding an extra session um in response to some of the needs that that we feel speech pathologists may may encounter, um, which is all about the the supporting ourselves um, through stressful times, etc. Mike, from your perspective, I'm just interested in what what some of the differences or what the some of the content of that expanded version of the course involves. Yeah. So at the end of the the normal accidental counsellor course. We talk about self-care and we, we do a bit of a reflection of, of what supports someone um, to be well, to be healthy, um, to nurture themselves so that they can support others. Uh, in, the, in the plus, the additional um, course that we're going to be adding with Speech Pathology Australia, we're really looking to expand on that self-care element. We're looking to look well beyond not just the things that you do to keep yourself well, but we're looking at some of the risks that um, can occur if we don't really attend to that those needs if we don't look to ensure that we're um, putting our well-being first before we support others um, risks such as burnout compassion fatigue vicarious trauma and vicarious trauma in particular is one that can occur if we're working with people who are traumatized or who are um, experiencing difficulty over a long period of time there can be a cumulative cumulative effect of that um, which can start to impact our view of the world so we'll look at to differentiate those and we'll look at ensuring that um, participants have a really clear sense of what's going to ensure that they're in the best possible position, not only to support others, but that they're nurturing themselves in the process and recognising some of the signs that they may be being impacted um, by um, working with people in distress. And Trish, is that something that, that you've identified as being important in terms of the feedback that you're getting from from Speech Pathology Australia members? Oh, certainly. I think as speech pathologists, we're often involved in um, discussions about issues that people might not necessarily raise with other health professionals, um, purely through the nature of, of the therapy that we provide and the supports we provide. Um, and so it's really vital to keep that in mind. Um, but something else that came to my mind also is in terms of as employers, we might need to be mindful of the stresses and the impacts of some of these issues on our staff. And so it's really yeah. useful to be able to have some tools for those discussions as well. Yes, absolutely. The, the, some of the topics that, that we've mentioned are, are covered in the course. Um, some people might think, are, well, you know, they, they are quite, and they can be quite intense topics, um, quite emotional and emotive for, for some people. Um, and I think that traditionally the course is delivered face to face um, and people 
might be wary of um, attending a course or participating in a course like this through an online medium. Um, I I was very lucky to participate in one of the first online versions that was through the, the COVID-19 pandemic um, with Mike as our, as our trainer. Um, and so I experienced it firsthand and I was certainly um, not worried, but kind of apprehensive and curious as to how discussions like this might work online. Um, as a participant, I I thought it was fantastic. It actually way beyond, way, way exceeded my expectations um, in terms of how it how it felt, the 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 additional opportunities for things like the chat function, etc. Mike, you've obviously done way more of these than me. <laughs> so what's been your observations of delivering um, this sort of content online? Yeah, it's a, you know, one of the great strengths of Zoom, which we're, um, we're using now to record this podcast, but which we also use during the training is that we have the breakout room. So yeah. the small group work is a critical component of the accidental counsellor training because we're not just looking to deliver content to people. Um, you can sign up and watch any kind of video. It's about the connections that people are forming in the workshop and it's about the work they're able to then to do together, the sharing of experience, the, um, the practising of those skills which you can use with someone who might be in distress um, and the recognition that this is a human experience. Mm -hmm. We're looking to support other humans who might be in distress regardless of the role, regardless of um, the present there's there's common themes that we look to um, to connect with and I think it's the connections that are formed within the workshops and I think um, Zoom really facilitates that well that that really allow that learning to become to become real and also to become grounded in your your experience so it's not just a theoretical um, workshop yeah and I suppose having a, having a, a relatively small group no more than 15 or 20 participants. And um, we've been very clear that we're, we're not going to allow people to dip in and out of different sessions. It needs to be continuous um, in the hope that by having small number of participants across the three sessions and having um, um, an opportunity to interact between the sessions through the, the um, Learning Hub online platform, um, we'll hopefully foster almost a kind of sense of community so that you're building up that trust amongst your group and a feeling that it's a safe space and you can talk as openly as you feel comfortable with obviously no, I'm, I'm assuming no one's gonna be forced to say anything that they that they don't want to but I certainly know from my own experience that the more you put into it the more you get out of it um and I think to do that, you need to feel safe and comfortable. Yeah, um, it's, it's such an up. important part when we're talking about mental health, when we're talking about suicide, when we're talking about supporting people who are in a great deal of distress, that safety is really critical. And so we, you know, we really frame that up at the beginning um, that you share what you're comfortable with sharing, but also recognising that it's through vulnerability that we really connect with others and through recognising how common it is for people to have been impacted either themselves or with family or friends or, or clients um, who have been impacted by, by mental health or, um, or suicidality, that it's a really important thing that we have open conversations about it. You know, it's something as a, as a society we don't tend to, mm. to 
um, talk directly to um, often enough. And I think um, it's a, it, the research has shown that by being able to talk openly and clearly and have these conversations, we actually reduce the risk for people and we give people an avenue where they can talk about their experience, which is often a really significant relief for people to be able to share and talk openly about what's, uh, what's challenging them. I think just as um, society is getting better, but there's still a long way to go in terms of being open about about mental health issues, etc. I think I think us as professionals sometimes feel like we have to kind of um, have a stiff upper lip in terms of the impact of stress on ourselves and our practice. And so, you know, thinking about the the, the section of the course that's that's more focused on recognizing and supporting ourselves and us as practitioners. I think that that might be a new thing to some people um, in terms of, you know, being, being able to be vulnerable and recognize that things do get tough. We all find some of this stuff challenging, um, but by being open and discussing it, hopefully we can avoid having sort of longer term impacts on, on ourselves or on our professional practice. And also on our personal relationships. I mean, as you said before, Mary, this this course is designed to benefit people in their professional practice, but also just in our personal lives. So I think it's it's something that will cross over all those boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. And that that then brings me to to what maybe the final <laughs> the final question, which is around sort of the target audience, because uh, um, this is a course that. That especially because it's got counsellor in the word, in the sorry, in the title, that people might think is targeted at mental health professionals or people who are working in speech pathologists who are working in the mental health space. Um, and I, I certainly think that it is very relevant and valid to speech pathologists working in mental health. Um, I've been working in mental health myself for oh, far too many years now, over 15 years. Um, um, and I've obviously, you know, developed a reasonable skill set in counselling, although I'm certainly not a counsellor, I would never claim to be. Um, but I had a, an experience recently involving a, a friend who was expressing thoughts of suicide. And, and in that moment, when I wasn't surrounded by the mental health policies and systems and processes and I wasn't there um, as a therapist um, I actually relied more on the the accidental counsellor training that I'd done only a few weeks before with Mike than than I did on my professional practice because you're there I was, I was there in a different role and I was in a community kind of space as opposed to you know an inpatient setting etc and it was just a totally different experience for me. And I was so grateful that I'd received your training, Mike, in terms of being able to feel confident responding to that. Um, and so I suppose I'm speaking from a mental health professional's perspective. Trish, I'm just wondering in terms of someone who, who hasn't, you know, speech pathologist, but not working in mental health, what your thoughts are about this course being relevant to speech pathologists in other areas of practice? Well, Mary, and I see it being relevant to every speech pathologist, basically, because, um, as I said before, we're working with vulnerable people, but we're working with people. And as you said, yeah. Mike, 
we're all humans and any human can experience distress. Any human can experience times when they're finding life really challenging. And so any speech pathologist can come across that at any time. And it doesn't have to be just the client. It could be, say, for example, um, a family member. Yeah. Often I get calls from speech pathologists who are working with children where the parents are separating and it's very acrimonious and so that can be distressing. Or other situations that our clients are experiencing that, you know, are fairly negative and um, can be distressing for their families, but also that, that does have an impact on us. And so I do see that it's relevant potentially for every speech pathologist that's practising. Mm. And Mike, as, as a trainer, have you had any observations in terms of the participation of people according to their level of um, of experience of, of working in the mental health kind of areas? Yeah, look, we get a, such a wide range of participants. You know, we're, we're trained as well, have had little to no experience um, of working in this area um, through to people like yourself who might have a lot of different experience um, in the field. So, you know, the, the, the diversity is vast, but what we always try to bring it back to is the basics of human-to-human connection and how we support another human in distress and really bringing it back to the basics of that active listening, that, that empathy, that really engaging with somebody um, in ways that support them to reduce their distress and help lead them into a place where they can get further support. So even though some people in the course may have covered it in different ways and means, we, we make it relevant um, to you, especially with that small group practice where you can actually bring it into a context that's really useful and helpful um, for you to link it to. Um, and it is, it's a, it's a, it's such a, um, a great, um, you know, reminder for those who've done any training before of, of, of what some of those key elements are. But it's such a great foundation for anyone who doesn't have that confidence as well to really build that and to ensure that, you know, you do have the confidence when you engage with someone in distress that you can support them and that you know what's what are the key things to look for, what are the key things um, to share with that person that's going to help relieve that distress. And that human-to-human connection that, that you've spoken about, that that really underpins our role as a speech pathologist or without our professional hat on as a friend or as a partner. Um, and effective communication is so key to that. So I think we're really, really well placed to, to kind of hone some of our skills and, and, and develop our confidence um, so that we can be supporting this, this incredibly important yeah, uh, practice. So this is an ongoing partnership between Lifeline and Speech Pathology Australia, um, and we're it'll the, the program will run regularly um, for the foreseeable future. So we're very much hoping that as many speech pathologists, whether they're members or not, um, as possible, are able to attend at some point because we do think this is so critically important for everybody's practice and their and their personal yeah look i think it's regardless of your your level of confidence or how much you might deal with people in distress i think it's really useful to connect with some of your peers and colleagues in this context and look at what some some of the specific things that uh that might come up for you but also what are some of the things that 
um, that, that are nurturing you. And I think that third party is going to be really important to really um, get clear on that, mm. you know, and I don't think there's ever a bad time to be reviewing, you know, what your supports are and, and, and what helps to make your role and your and your life, you know, sustainable in many ways. You know, if you're if you're giving out a lot, you need to ensure that you're you're able to receive as well. And that's something that uh, we'll certainly focus on in that third part. And I think that's, that's always a, a good thing to review, even if it's something you might have um, covered before. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, Mike and Trish, for, for joining me today and discussing it. We really hope that um, everybody who participates in the course finds it beneficial um, and shares that with, with others I think by by doing this, we can make a huge impact. Yeah, look, it's a great initiative you're you're implementing, and I really look forward to um, to engaging with some of your members uh, through this training. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening, and bye for now.